this week on the show. You're also, like you mentioned, a producer, a director, a screenwriter. You got your own production company. Uh, you do TikToks. And uh, I did I see you paint last night? Do, do you ever sleep? <laughs> I love sleep so much. I sleep. I do you? Trish Renoni. I went to a dance and this guy just tried to kiss me out of nowhere and I didn't see it coming. I never kissed a guy or a girl. I never kissed anyone. And yeah. um, I was shocked. So I didn't kiss him back. I didn't know how to kiss. I didn't want to kiss him. And then <laughs> him and his friends walked by me in the hallway afterwards and they said, she's hot, but she's so weird. Oh boy. And that scarred me for like all of high school. I was like, I can't just be me. Because I am weird. Actor, writer, director, producer. You know, maybe it is really. I don't know. From my perspective, it hasn't been easy. Maybe for some people it is. But I think for most of us, it probably isn't. I think most people are probably more in my boat where it's, you know, the in the industry has, you go through these waves where you feel like, wow, I booked this thing. Even, you know, for me, V Wars was a big booking. I thought, wow, I booked a yeah. principal role in a Netflix original. And I thought my scenes went very well. I had, I think, five or six scenes. When it comes down to the final edit, you're in one quick scene. Soon on the show, Pink is in, starting January 11th on Bell 5 TV One. Pink is in, I'm an actor on that. I play top dog in the prison. Her name's Nikki. Um, but everyone in the prison knows her as Top Dog. So she uses intimidation, confidence, and bratty, bratty tactics to get her way within the prison. You know, it's a dog eat dog world. It's either be the tough girl or get picked on. Let's talk to Trish Rainoni on the Very Creative Podcast. Trish Rainoni, how's it going? Going great. How are you doing? Good. I'm good. I like your background, the shirt. That's great. Yep. Pink is in. The poster is the background right now. And I have pink is in on my hoodie because this comedy comes out Monday. So I'm doing some subtle, low-key advertising. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, so introduce yourself to everyone. Okay. I'm Trish Rinoni or Trisha Rinoni. I'm a writer a podcaster myself. Um, I like comedy. I'm definitely, you know, comedy is my jam. That's where I like to be. I produce um, various things um, in pre-production for a feature film. And what else? I do some virtual stand-up comedy now that we're in lockdown. <laughs> all, all sorts of things. Sometimes I, I clean the house. Sometimes I make dinner, you know. <laughs> I'm a I'm a person doing things. Yeah. yeah, I kept uh looking at your IMDB and looking you up this morning and just the number of stuff you did. You for for those people who are listening, uh most well known, you've been part of Umbrella Academy a little bit. Oh yes, just a tiny role in the um I was I appear in the first episode. Actually, that's where I met just in the opening scene as a swimmer, but that's where I met Lisa Crawford of Pink is In, and okay. we had a good chance to sit together on set and um, and chat throughout the day. And then a few months later, or maybe it was, it was actually probably like a year later, she messaged me and we had kept in touch and she had been on my podcast and 
we stayed friends and then, and I had met her briefly before that. And then we stayed friends and she messaged me and said, Hey, I think we have a role for you on this yeah. um, new series we're pitching called pink is in. Great. So, we'll talk about that. Uh, that yeah. it led me to Lisa. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so V war is also the void. Uh, pink is in, as you mentioned, but uh, is starting January 11th on the uh, bell five TV. Um, and, uh, you're also, like you mentioned, a producer, a director, a screenwriter, you got your own production company, uh, you do TikToks and, uh, I, did I see you paint last night? Do, do you ever sleep? I love sleep so much. I sleep, I go, do to you? Bed, I go to bed at midnight and wake up at, you know, eight o'clock in the morning, get the day going, unless I'm working on set, then it's usually a very early day. Um, yeah, we did a paint night at home and we are, so I've got my boyfriend to come on TikTok with me. And since getting him to come on, right. I was getting on a lucky day, oh, like 300 views. I'm like, I don't understand this algorithm. And then trying to do all this, you know, original comedy on TikTok, right. I'd end up not getting views. Then I get him on there with me and we do couples humor and just the one of the videos we just posted last week has like a hundred thousand views and every day I check and I'm keep get, I keep getting likes and comments on it. Yeah. So I have to face the the facts that maybe we're funnier together and I have to just post a couple of humor. Yeah. yeah. So just to be sure you sleep, right? I definitely sleep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How many podcasts do you have too? Well, it's hard to say, like some of them I'm not really keeping up with. So I regularly record drunk read throughs with my producing partner from yeah. Sisterhood, Rebecca Heron. We love that one. People send in their short scripts or sketches and we read them and drink beer or even sometimes I just drink tea or coffee like right. right now because it's dry January. But mostly we, <laughs> drink, <laughs> mostly we drink alcoholic beverages and read their scripts. Um, it's a chance to bring some life to old scripts that didn't make it into production that writers might have sitting on a hard drive or on their computer. Um, so just to celebrate, celebrate their work. Um, so we do that. We're just heading into season two very, very shortly. And then I did record doing all these virtual shows of comedy over the last year online. I've recorded the episode or my sets. And then I put those up onto a podcast. I don't really promote that podcast, but it's nice to have those as kind of a keepsake. So if someone yeah. wants to hire me for comedy and they say, do you have an example of your work? I can just send them the podcast. And then I was doing a kick butt ladies podcast. Um, that's the one I had Lisa Crawford on of Pink Sin and then, and a whole bunch of other great ladies. Um, and then, but I'm not keeping up with that one anymore. It's kind of morphing and it's going to become the kick kick butt talent podcast and we're going to relaunch it rebecca will be my co-host on that or will be co-hosts i'll be her co-host vice versa on yeah. that um so that's going to be coming up soon we have five episodes recorded but we haven't published it um <laughs> one called your dating stories that i did in march when i was really bored at home and i knew i i wanted to come up with a podcast i could do alone because i didn't wasn't versed in zoom yet right. so i people write in their dating stories and then I just narrated them. That one surprisingly gets a lot of listens and I don't promote it at all. But once in a while I check the, um, check the analytics and it's still getting a lot of listens. I guess people like 
field dating stories because it's something we can all yeah relate to yeah wow and you you really again you do a lot of stuff i don't know how you keep it all in your head but that and you're you stay healthy through that but that's awesome (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I also saw you do, uh, you did a video of uh, The Bachelor at some point. I'm a big fan of The Bachelor. You oh, did, I think yeah. you did see that on my Instagram. Yeah. We talked about that on DM. Yeah. Yeah. I did. Did you a watch little, The Bachelor? You know, I've watched it here and there because my mom watches it. Yeah. So I've never really devoted myself to a season. I've watched it with her here and there. And it seems like every episode is kind of the same thing. There's someone being like, he, you know, I've met the love of my life. He is amazing. I don't see how anything could spoil this. And then it just gets to them being sent home and bawling in a car being like, he's going to regret this. Yep. That's the, that's the show. Yeah. entertaining and i heard on the last episode or, or on the uh sorry most recent season yeah. the bachelor at actually found love halfway through and left yeah it was uh f- well she found it she found him in the first episode and then she was like because uh, he came out of the limo and he was she was like oh uh, i just met my husband and then she didn't pay attention to any of the guys for for like three three episodes. Wow. And then uh, and the four she decided to get engaged with him, and then they uh, they had to switch a, up the bachelorette. And there was a new bachelor that came in. That's epic! I would watch that. Yeah, My that uh, that was a little brand new and original. Which uh, yeah, you know, so it, it oh. added to the sh- the show a little spice. Yeah. Uh, before we dive into uh, Pink is in and your most uh, latest your latest projects, um, talk about a bit about growing up and did you always have that creative thing going on with you? I guess so. I did always like when things were hands-on or had some sort of artistic ability attached to them in school. I'm not those people who can, I feel like I dragged myself through high school and university and then college I found to be, because I also did a college degree after university or a college diploma after university, but I found college to be much more my style of learning because it was a lot more creative. We had a lot of um, team assignments that involved some creativity, some presenting and a lot of visuals and making presentations. And I found um, it was just more hands-on and we did uh, placements. Whereas I felt university and high school, I'm not one to just sit and listen to someone lecture and leave feeling like I've learned. <laughs> I need some hands-on, some sort of, you know, singing or drawing or um, performing attached to it for things to stick, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 And um my school was very like we had teachers in elementary school who taught us through a lot of song. We did a lot of plays. So I feel like I was definitely thriving more in elementary school than in high school because that was kind of taken away. So I think I am more of a creative type. Yeah. Yeah. So did you start professionally young or like no, I was very really shy. Yeah. I was very shy, except I did do 
um, some episodes of a show that came to town. It aired on YTV. It was called Hands Up, Hands On. Okay. It was a craft show. And I went along with a friend to audition because she said it would be fun. And I had fun because they just asked us for the audition to sing and dance and play games. Like, I think we played Duck Duck Goose and things like that. Um, I wish my auditions included that now and maybe I wouldn't bomb some of them like I do. Uh, yeah, so I ended up on this TV show doing arts and crafts, but I was really shy and I barely talked on it. I think I just said a couple of lines um, while we were making the crafts with the hosts. But I remember being pretty shy, but enjoying it at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, and then I always signed up for lip syncs. We had a lot of lip sync contests in the city for some reason. Um, I danced, I was a competitive dancer. So we did a lot of song and dance and I enjoyed that. But as soon as it came time to speak um, yeah. or actually sing the song, that's when I got really nervous. So I didn't do a lot of theater growing up. I've done it since in Toronto, but yeah. as a child, no, I was uh, I was pretty pretty timid when it came to speaking in front of others. Yeah. So do you feel still that, uh, so you said you were shy, so did it slowly give you confidence and slowly, uh, yeah, cause it, it did for me. Did. You know what? I have to give some props to, uh, improv coaches because when I moved to Toronto eight years ago or in high school, when I took drama class and we did improv, um, I really feel like that's when I came out of my shell. Right. And anytime I'm doing improv classes, I feel like when you leave the class, you carry this confidence with you that you don't necessarily have if you're not always flexing that muscle or, you know, working on that muscle. So I do think that improv classes are pretty much the only reason why I ever became comfortable with speaking in front of people or going to auditions. Right. So, yeah, the more you work at it, the, the more comfortable you become. Yeah. That's what it did for me. I was I was pretty shy in high school and uh, even before then. And as soon as I did theater, I was like, "Oh, this is this is me. This is really what I like doing." And it gave me like finally I was having fun. You know, it was something I knew. Like as a child, I would always like uh, disguise, go into disguise, and I loved Halloween. Halloween was every day for me. Uh, so I, when I got to school and everybody was like, oh, you're weird. I was like, <laughs> I lost my confidence. And Aww. then I, I started doing theater and I was like, oh, I'm having fun again. That's yeah, when... they're embracing the weird in theater. It's yeah. so sad that in elementary school, I find, or grade school, um, people talk you out of being unique yeah. and that makes you so awesome and that's when you feel you know i remember in grade nine i went to a dance and this guy just tried to kiss me out of nowhere and i didn't see it coming <laughs> or kissed a guy or a girl i've never kissed anyone and yeah. um i was shocked so i didn't kiss him back i didn't know how to kiss i didn't want to kiss him and then <laughs> him and his friends walked by me in the hallway afterwards and they said she's hot but she's so weird. Oh boy. And that scarred me for like all of high school. I was like, I can't just be me. Cause I am weird and I'm quirky. Right. And if people see that they're going to think I'm a loser. So I walked around like very kind of trying to fit in my, you know, nose yeah. turned up a little bit, trying to look confident so other people wouldn't 
think I was weird and make fun of me. So I really didn't let my true colors shine. I wish I could go back and do high school. Now, I think in the final year, I think I became more confident, was weird. And then people gave me the nickname Skippy. And I was wow. a bit with my quirky self, but that was definitely after doing like grade 11 drama and, yeah. you know, making a fool of myself in front of people and then realizing that it was fun to do that on stage and that it was a safe space and we were allowed to be weird. And it actually, we were encouraged to embrace our weirds. So, yeah, I think theater is a really great um, outlet for, for teens because it can be really tough and people can mm. be very mean and yeah. try to talk you out of being who you are right well it, it's great that you mentioned uh, if i was going back to high school now because i always think about that with my brain and right now like how would i react to bullying how would i like probably like i would i don't know i would be so strong now that mm -hmm. i feel yeah it's, it's so weird to think about that how do you feel about that I would definitely stand up to the people who did useless bullying or said ridiculous things that weren't true. I feel like I would stand up to them and talk to them about it and just address the matter and be like, that's not the case. I don't know why you guys are saying that. Um, and also I would just enjoy learning because yeah. now I listen to podcasts, I read, I yeah. do these. There's so many things that I feel like I missed out on because I wasn't listening in high school. Right. <laughs> I would love to go back now and actually learn. And yeah. at the time I just wrote poetry in history class and didn't want to pay attention to history. But now yeah. I'm looking those things up on podcasts or in books. So it would be nice to go back in time. Potentially. And you you but, also but think whole yeah. like that and we would really screw things up. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You also think when you're in high school that, uh, that's all there is, you know, you know, don't know anything about the world or if you, you go into the world and have relationships and blah, 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 you know, it's a, uh, it's, that's your world. That's yeah. And you're at your parents, um, you're under their, you know, leadership. So it's not like, yeah. Say now if something was making me uncomfortable, I would change that situation in my life and I would right. leave. Whereas in high school, you're kind of stuck there because mm -hmm. <laughs> unless your parents want to move or unless you actually want to take that plunge and move to a new school and start over and make yeah. new friends, you know, so it's a bit of a, it's a tough time, but also it can be fun. I guess some, I guess some parts of it were fun, but I'm, I much prefer being an adult. Yeah. So <laughs> were you born in a small town? Is South, South St. Mary? I, I don't know about it, but is it a small town? Because I'm from it, Montreal. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> Montreal's beautiful. Yeah. Um, Sault Marie is a very small city with a very small town vibe. Yeah. Everyone knows everyone. It's in its own bubble. It actually has about 70, 75,000 people, but it's very small. There's two, yeah. two malls, one main mall that people tend to go to. So you see all the same people right. all the time. And everyone wants to know how they know you. So as soon as you meet someone, they say, who's your dad? <laughs> oh, yeah, I know your dad. I know your mom. I know this person. So everyone wants to know what their connection is to you. So it's, it's very much, there's a very small town vibe to it. So when did you move to Toronto? And uh, uh... I moved to Toronto eight years ago um, okay. to pursue filmmaking and acting. Yeah. And then 
there were so many great opportunities up in Northern Ontario. So I ended up opening a production company here in Sault Ste. Marie, where I am now about a year and a half ago. Okay. Um, following shooting season two of, we shot season two of my roommates and escort up in my hometown in Sault Ste. Right. Marie. And then, and we had gained some funding and that sort of thing. So there's some really great funding available in Northern Ontario. There's great talent. They filmed Letterkenny just three hours yeah. from here in Sudbury. Um, so a lot of the actors here have been on that show or they've been on um, Carter or Cardinal. Those also shoot up right. here, up in Northern Ontario and many feature films shoot here. So um, there are some really great acting schools in Sudbury and yeah, I just find there's there's so much to offer up in Sault Ste. Marie. Um, there's a lot of great nature and scenery and the local <sighs> businesses get really on board with, with shooting. So it's easier to find locations here. Um, people are very supportive of it. So I have been filming things up in Sault Ste. Marie for the past, I'm gonna say, yeah, for the past couple of years, I've been filming a lot more of my projects up here. Yeah. I feel like that was really important for you from what I, I've seen you in interviews and everything. It's uh, it's something you were in Toronto for, for filmmaking and everything. And it seems like you, you wanted to go back to your origins and your own town and give people opportunity back there. Yeah, yeah. It's really great because there are so many people here who want to learn and want to grow and want to stay here. Right if the opportunities are available. So my producing partner, Rebecca Heron and I started the Sioux Film Festival. So that's been a really great um, thing, I think for the local filmmakers, we celebrate Northern Ontario films exclusively. And I just feel like there's so much talent here. So if the, if the work is available, people will stay here. There's a Sioux College, there's a college with a really great film program and a lot of really talented students come out of that. So I just want to foster that talent and, and keep filming up here and show people that, you know, they don't necessarily have to be in Toronto full-time or Los Angeles full-time yeah. or Vancouver full-time or Montreal. They can also stay up here and do some training up here and work up here. So we're really trying to provide a lot of jobs up here. We just um, wrapped on a commercial that came up from Toronto, we were doing some location managing. We found the locations and some of the people to be in, in the commercial. And we've done a music video up here. We do some podcasting. Wow. It's been a different year with, with of course, yeah. COVID. It's been a different year for everyone. <laughs> yeah, so we're trying to do, until we do this feature we're in pre-production on right now, um, we are, which should be shooting this spring, we're trying to do small shoots when we can, when we're not on lockdown. We were mm -hmm. in a green zone. So for a while we weren't on any sort of lockdown. So that was a great chance to get some shorts and music videos and that sort of thing filmed. Yeah. You're lucky to have green zones here. We don't have green zones. Oh <laughs> everything yeah. Is, well, everything is red or orange. <laughs> people came from the orange and or reds, orange zones. I think they're called. And they came up for Christmas and went to parties. So now we are no longer in a green zone and there are cases on the rise every day. Thank you for coming to Sault Ste. Marie. Yeah. Now <laughs> we have a curfew that uh, we have to be home at 8 p.m. So. Oh, right. Because you're, you're in Montreal right now. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Quebec is, uh, yeah, 
is a whole uh, that's coming wild. for us. Yeah. What if you want to go for a walk around the block, but it's eight oh one p.m. Mm, you can't. Wow, man, what a world! Yeah, crazy, it's, right? <laughs> I I often dream about life in twenty nineteen. We had no idea. No, we had no idea. <laughs> we had no idea how lucky we were to see friends in person. Yeah. That everyone was in well, not everyone was in good health, but. We certainly, you know, it's really sad to think about the frontline workers and how life has just changed for them. Right. I read in, I think it was in Toronto Life, they had a doctor's journal right. um, starting in March. He journaled and he shared it in this article. And it's just incredibly scary and sad for, for the front, frontline workers, for the families of people being affected by it. And well, I guess everyone's being affected by it. Yeah. I don't know if you saw this post on Instagram, but there was this one girl that's my age, like 24. And she, uh, she just like looks, her face looks so red. And uh, she's like, I've been at it since March and it's just crazy. And like, I, I, I've, uh, the post was, I am used now to uh, doing body bags and uh, just putting people in them with my eyes closed. And yeah. And then, and I that's should, the sort of yeah. thing I think people, you know, people need to hear and and yeah. share that information because there are so many people who selfishly are going to parties think still yeah. and they think I'm just one person. I'm yeah. not going to spread this. And it's, you know, it's one thing if it spreads when people are being safe. It's another thing if it's spreading because people are partying, taking unnecessary vacations, um, and just not wanting to wear masks and, you know, follow the, the guidelines. Yeah. People, I shared that story on my Instagram. And then this one girl replied to me, she's like, people, even if you share that people won't believe it. Like my sister comes home every night looking like this every night and people still don't believe it. And I'm like, Oh, wow this is really a real thing. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people believe it's, it, it's a hoax. And you realize that when you sign in on the internet and they're like, it's a hoax, this and that. And how could it, yeah, how could something be a hoax when we know these frontline workers who are, you know, breaking their backs for, for everyone and are so stressed and are so scared going to work every day and taking all these protocols and precautions. And, you know, they already have a stressful job and now they're living this. And then people are going online saying it's a hoax. Crazy. <sighs> we definitely live in crazy times. My goodness. Yeah. The well, internet is yeah. a very scary place. <laughs> yeah, it is. Anyway, um, so yeah, on a, on a better note, uh, you're a little like me that you create your own work. Uh, mm -hmm. And I really, really respect that because it's hard. It's really hard to make it in this industry. If you're not in LA, it's even harder, you know, it's, uh, um, and how did that come about to you creating your own work and starting that and going on that path? I also saw that you're a, speaking of you creating that you're a novelist, which is yeah. incredible. Thank you. That's a yeah. huge feat. Yeah. To finish a novel. Yeah. I was, I was tired of people say, saying no to my, my writing. And I was like, I'm just going to do it. And That's amazing. And you've gotten some really great reviews. Oh, thank you. Yeah. 
I would like to read it. Yeah. Nothing stays buried forever, especially not the past. Yesterday is Not Yet Gone, a mystery novel by Gabriel Vega, host of the Very Creative Podcast. Available now, paperback and digital. GabrielVega.com. Buy it now. Um, yeah, I feel like you kind of have to create your own material unless you are someone who just, you know, I was at this acting coach's place and I was in the kind of lounge area and there was another actress who came in. This was a couple of years. This was a few years ago. And I had done season one of my roommates in Escort but I was still an ACTRA apprentice because to become a full union member, you need three credits. So I had gained two credits at that point and then wasn't getting the third one and just wasn't getting the auditions I wanted or the opportunities. And then Katie Allman and my, and, and I created this comedy series by roommates and escort. So we shot that under ACTRA as well, but I still didn't get, my third credit. So I had done work, but I was in the lounge area with this girl and she goes, like, who is still an apprentice? Like, is anyone an actor apprentice? (laughs) And I was sitting there thinking, I am. And that doesn't mean I'm a loser the way you're making me feel right now, bully. Um, But she's this actress who's been in a ton of shows. She's very gorgeous and maybe... For some people, they just come out of the gate booking a big show. Then they're on some, you know, big agency's roster and they just book right away. Great. Yeah. She doesn't sound happy though. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That's that's all great, but no, no happiness that I feel. (laughs) Yeah. It was a very mean girl moment. I felt very much like she probably wasn't trying to attack me. Maybe she didn't realize I was still an apprentice, which, hey, how can you ever, like in any business, you have apprentices and that's a big deal to even become an apprentice. It's like, you know how many many things you had to accomplish to get to that place? That's a big celebration to book an actor a job when you're non-union and then to book two and for her to insult that. I just kind of thought, you know, maybe it is really, I don't know. From my perspective, it hasn't been easy. Maybe for some people it is. But I think for most of us, it probably isn't. I think most people are probably more in my boat where it's, you know, the in, the industry has, you go through these waves where you feel like, wow, I booked this thing. Even, you know, me, for me, V Wars was a big booking. I thought, wow, I booked a yeah. principal role in a Netflix original. And I thought my scenes went very well. I had, I think, five or six scenes. When it comes down to the final edit, you're in one quick scene. Yeah. And was it in the first episode? Yeah. The first episode, one of the editors even wrote to me or no, it was the creator of the, this, of the books, the writer of the books, the novelist. And he said when they were watching the footage that he loved my scenes and he complimented them. So it doesn't matter if your scenes are good. What matters is the story. So at the end of the day, a director has Mm -hmm. all this footage and they have to cut it into a cohesive story. So a lot of things that get shot don't end up in the final cut of things. And it's hard on an actor because you can't help but take certain things personally. Like you, 
you feel like, oh man, did I fail? Um, oh, I thought this was going to be a big thing for me. And those scenes were, you know, and those scenes aren't in there. Like, ooh, now it's back to the drawing board. Now I have to book something else and mm. try to get myself out there. So it can really be a hard struggle. Um, one thing I did learn from creating my own material, I directed a the first short film I directed called Milk. It's now on Amazon Prime in the US or UK or Vimeo. I've seen it. Um, it's great. <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, and yeah. what I learned from that is the film was much longer, but for timing, when I went to edit it with the editor, I watched it and I, it was just so obvious to me, no, this needs to be cut, forget this scene, forget about this. Let's actually move this one from the end over here and let's move this one here. Let's keep it short and cohesive and just kind of tell a little snippet of a story because it's a short, um, boom. And then I thought, and then I thought to myself, I just cut my own scenes. If it was a different show or movie and I wasn't the director and it got cut as an actor, I'd be like, oh, I must've screwed up. But I knew that the acting was great on both Bobby and my part. That's not what the issue was. The issue was that it didn't need to be there. Right. To put the story forward. Yeah. So I think I've learned a lot from creating my own materials just about the business in general mm. just about how things work um you learn a lot about about just yeah just about the business and if i wasn't a writer producer creator i wouldn't be in <laughs> yeah. as many as i'm in so i think it's just you know it's it's very fulfilling to produce something it has its challenges but it is very fulfilling at the end of the day and if you're someone who isn't necessarily getting a lot of acting roles, um, you know, it's it's a great way to work in this industry and understand this industry. And, you know, if you just enjoy filmmaking, yeah, why, why, why not create your own? Yeah, I think uh, your experience with VWARS and other projects, like, uh, I think that that's right. When when you start creating your things, you understand why that is, because the 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 story is more important than than you and sometimes exactly. that's really sad because you want to be in that show but you know it's uh, it's it's not it's, about you it's yeah about it's not about you i think that's what we all have to learn we all need that lesson but that's also why we need to create our own content yes and we also need to do things for the joy of it and love of it and not go to that place where you think oh this might be a game changer for me because it's never going to be easy no. and i think even if something is a game changer it's not going to be a game changer forever there are actors who work on the biggest series that we watch as a main <laughs> character yeah. and they still have that fear as soon as the show gets canceled yeah. or wraps up its final season they still have that fear of I might never work again. And I think that doesn't go away as an actor or anyone who is it, who, who goes from contract to contract as a freelancer in any business. So I think it's kind of part of, I think getting used to that feeling of I might never work again is a good, is a good thing to get used to because it will never go away. And I think it just kind of, if you can get comfortable with that feeling and sitting in that place then you can use it as fuel to keep going, to work harder, to sometimes reinvent yourself, to try a different angle, to maybe try a new platform or a new type of 
creative outlet, like start doing a podcast, or I think it's mm. just great to always feel like, okay, there's some uncertainty here, but that's out of my control. That's just part of this industry. And every single person in this industry, even if they look successful on Instagram is feeling what I'm feeling. And they're all going through the same thing. Yeah. And let's just become comfortable with that and use it as fuel to keep creating. That's probably why the girl was mean to you because she was scared and <laughs> still didn't know how to control it. <laughs> That's probably what it was. She was, yeah, everyone's a little bit, everyone's a little bit fragile and a little bit afraid. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah. So uh, briefly, let's talk a little bit about uh, you creating it in my roommate's escort. That's I, I've watched your the the episodes on YouTube and oh. uh, amazing. Like it, right away, the, the first episode, like it's just like I want to binge this now. It's uh it's great. It uh catches you. So how how you said you had advice to create uh, a show like this. So can you give us a little bit of people who want to to create their own stuff like this? Well I met Katie Allman at a mutual friend's birthday party right before we created this series together. And we just kind of got talking about, you know, some dating stories. Um, we talked about, you know, being in Toronto and, and having roommates and, and dating and just shared stories and shared the frustrations of, being actors and not necessarily being given the opportunities, you know, that we, that we wanted at the time. Um, and we just really hit it off. We went to a cafe a couple days later and just started writing and coming up with this world. We wanted to come up with a dynamic between two females and have the females be the leads in this story. And um, that really meant a lot to us because it was, yeah. yeah, it was hard back then. I remember auditioning for, you know, the waitress or the, you know, the one line role. And I really wanted to do comedy and I really wanted to show people, you know, just, I just, it, it, really meant a lot to both of us to have females in leading roles. And it was definitely, um, yeah, a, oh my gosh, we learned so much doing it. And yeah. What did you learn about the filmmaking process and everything? When you yeah. start creating, you learn as you go. And then you, you just, it's so much work getting, anything made now I'm realizing how long it you know it takes now I apply for grants and yeah. you get so many no's and then you get one yes but then with that one yes then there's a whole new you know we're I'm now getting this feature film going with Rebecca that we're we're producing um with some co-producers and there's just so many things to right to learn and to crack away at. And I don't think I, I realized years ago when I was acting and not doing any of the writing or producing, just how much goes on behind the scenes to make something happen. Mm. 
I've, I feel really appreciative of that now. And just even when I get an audition, I look at the, the other day I was doing a Zoom, aud- Zoom callback. So it was the second audition. So the mm-hmm. director was there and the producer. And I was just thinking, wow, you guys are, you're making this movie. You got it greenlit. You got the funding. You've yeah. done all the rewrites. I, I know what they've gone through. So I think it's just such a celebration when any story actually becomes a thing because I know the the hard work and all of the different paths that they had to take to make that come together behind the scenes and how many people had to say yes and how many no's they got and then how they had to come up with a new plan and rework it and say, okay, we'll go this route then with it. Um, yeah, so I'm, I definitely appreciate other writers and creators and in, in awe of them and novelists for sure, because yeah. I've started so many novels and haven't finished them. Yeah. It's but I, I, yeah. But well, it's a nice goal to have. But I think that's the the that's why I write. I wrote a novel because I was um, I I studied uh, film at university for for two years and then I switched to English. But uh, I always wanted to be a director and screenwriter and still want to be that. But uh, making a film like that's why I asked the question because it's I I've I've attempted and I've failed in so many ways to do that because you have to make something very short and because otherwise it's a lot of money it's a lot of people that you have to hire so I've learned from my mistakes but it's I understand your pain you know and I understand how it works it's it's also very fulfilling but yeah that's why I decided to write a novel right now because I'm like I just want to make my thing and just get it released. And it's just writing, you know, I don't need any, anybody to help me with that. You know, so. Even to have that discipline though, to sit down. And when I say I've started somebody and finished them, I meant um, not like I'm not reading people's full novels. It's when it comes to writing, I've sat down. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. I get it. So much discipline. And I think that's what it all comes down to for any outlet that you're doing and to make anything happen. You have to get up every day and decide to keep working on it because it's not going to happen to you. It's not going to happen for you. It's going to happen when you persistently and consistently Mm. do the work. And some days it's really hard and some days everything's against you. And then to get up the next day and still maybe take a break because maybe that's what you need for your mental health and then to get back to it and keep going back to it. And that's, that's why it's, yeah, I think it's pretty spectacular to make anything because you've, you've sat down and you've really committed right. even so many things were stacked against you. So I have big appreciation for, or like the creators of Pink yeah. is In. I'm so impressed by them. them. They came to me and said, hey, we, we think we have this role for you. We're going to yeah. shoot a teaser trailer. Would you be down? I'm like, and then they sent the scripts. I'm like, oh, of course, this is hilarious. And then we shot the teaser trailer. And then within a year, they had been picked up and we shot the first season. And now it's releasing. And this all happened within just over a year's time. And I'm just in awe of them. I'm like, <laughs> how did you make that? <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. It's, yeah. you know, it's things take so much time and commitment. And um, yeah, they're, they're a pretty special team. And um, 
I don't know what what I forget what the question was. But <laughs> all I can keep stressing is no. I, I was just saying I feel your pain about the filmmaking process and how oh, yeah. how long like, it takes. Start yeah. Small. That was yeah. that was really good advice to start small because I think it can be really overwhelming with anything you do. Yeah. Um, to just it looks good on the page, but then if you start uh, trying to to shoot it and hiring people, they will tell you. Yeah. <laughs> this will yeah, take yeah. a lot of resources. <laughs> Yes, and a feature is very tough. So if you did want to start creating, definitely start small. Write a short film. Write something that's even just a couple of minutes, like a micro short, and then ask people for you know maybe ask your good friends who have yeah. have skills to help out. Like don't be afraid to ask for help if it's something that's only going to take up you know a day or two of someone's time. They might be willing if they're your friend to help you out to mm. get your career rolling a little bit and to get your get your feet wet. So it's good to start small. Yeah. But like the, the whole point of creating your stuff is also, you don't have to wait for people's approval at all. You That's know? so it's, true. Just start writing and start one day at a time. Cause you'll and get so many, so many no's. Oh yeah. When somebody says no, I'm just going to take off my boots. Yeah, yeah. No If somebody says no, that's an opportunity to go and find someone who's going to say yes. Yeah. So people will You're say saying yes to yourself though. Yes. Say yes to yourself. That is the key. Yeah. It's uh no, it takes a, a long time. It took a long time for me to, to, I don't need anybody's approval. I'm going to do my own stuff and, uh, you know, just make my things. And if somebody wants to, to knock at the door and say, yes, I'll be more than welcome, <laughs> but I'm not going to wait for that because it's, I'm not creating if I do that, you know? Exactly. That's yeah. the perfect attitude to have. Yeah. Definitely. Just so, keep doing your yeah. thing. Other people will come to you eventually and the right people will come yeah. to you. You just keep doing it and keep putting it out there and keep creating. Yeah. So talk a bit about uh, why comedy and as opposed to other things. Do you like making people laugh or you? I do. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is. I feel like I just... Comedy just happens to be the thing that I feel comfortable doing and that I that doesn't scare me and that I enjoy. When I do a dramatic audition, I feel this pressure, you know, after I'm like, did I get there dramatically? Like, did I think it said in the script they wanted me to cry, but I didn't shed tears. But then if it's a comedy, I'm like, oh, yeah, I understand this. I get this. I feel like it's just a little bit more natural for me to understand, to get into comedy. I don't know. It just feels like where I like to be. I like laughter. I like um, sets are a, a stressful place sometimes. So I like when there's comedic content that puts people, you know, in a bit of a, a jollier mood. And um, I don't know. I've tried writing things too. And afterwards I go back and read them. And even if it's, you know, something more dramatic, I read it and I'm like, oh, this is a comedy. So it's just, I don't know. It just feels like the place that's, that feels the most safe or mo most fulfilling for me Yeah. as a, as a person and as a, as an actor, if I watch, like some days I'll get an audition for something that's um, very kind of just wholesome girl next door, best friend in a feature film yeah. that kind of um, like maybe like a bubblegummy rom-com. And 
I'll do the best friend role, but it's, and it's not necessarily comedy comedy. Like it's not, it's got its cute moments, but it's not comedy. I feel like if I have a comedy audition that same day, when I have to go to send the self tapes and I watch both, I buy my performances in the comedy much where I just see more, like I come more to life. Right. So even watching back my own stuff, like I feel more comfortable doing the comedy. And then when I even watch the self tapes, um, before sending, I'll watch the comedy one and be like, Oh yeah, that one's more for me. That mm. seems that doesn't seem like as, I don't know. It's just, yeah. it's not, I, I like it. I've acted in other things and I like it. It's just, is it easier for you to, to write comedy as well? Yeah. 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 Cause there's so many weird situations that you see or that you hear about that are really kind of dark or just weird and you have to wrap your head around it. Like someone will come to you and tell you a story and you're like, okay, that's really bizarre. <sighs> um, that's a comedy. Can I write this? So I think there's just so many people are so weird and have so <sighs> many dramas. And if you take that stuff and find the humor in it and start writing it, it's, it's, like th there's just something so fun about taking either something weird that happened to you or something weird that happened you saw happen to someone you know and turning it into a comedy is it's so fulfilling because right. i feel like so much weirdness going on around us and you could just recreate that situation as a drama or you could be like let's really like look at how <laughs> awkward this is and make this like a really awkward comedic script yeah. or a sketch on TikTok, or uh, you know, there's just or a short film or a micro short comedy. Right. There's like a lot of truth in comedy, and that's yeah. what I love. You're facing the truth. Yeah. Whereas sometimes in a drama, I feel like, which I, I I like it all, but I feel like, say, if I'm writing a drama, you're trying to the characters are trying to like mask what's really going on. There's a lot of subtext in comedy. You just come out and say what's really going on. Yeah, you're not skirting around the issue the issue is actually very much it's very highlighted and <laughs> it's, and it's making everyone act very chaotic and there's it's true you know, yeah and i love physical humor i love seeing people one of my favorite things to see online is just people falling over not getting hurt i don't like <laughs> blood and violence but i love to see somebody just like standing in the snow and just like tipping over and falling <laughs> I love physical humor. Someone posted a video of toddlers falling in the snow the other day. Right. And they're not hurt. So it's funny because they're just still learning about their bodies and gravity and, you know, probably in many years to learn about that because I feel like I didn't, I'm, you know, it took me till I was like 30 to feel comfortable in my own skin. But when you're, like a toddler, you're still figuring out gravity. So throw a big snowsuit on and all of a sudden they're just like, some of them just like fall over. They just like tip. <laughs> pick them up. Like they're these squishy little things. They just yeah. pick them up and the kid's fine. And the kid's just kind of like, what just happened? <laughs> but there's something so funny about seeing people just fall over or like adults falling just like, yeah. You have just, a thing about falling. <laughs> I have a thing about falling and physical humor. I find it so funny. Yeah. But these yeah. people are really hurting themselves. 
as long as they're not really hurt. I don't like to see them get really hurt. That's gross. No yeah. broken bones, no getting hurt. We don't want to see that, but we do want to see your uncle falling off of his chair at the dinner table that we like to see. So um, you also have, you mentioned it before uh, your short film milk. Uh, oh yes. Nothing stays buried forever, especially not the past. Yesterday is not yet gone. A mystery novel by Gabriel Vega, host of the very creative podcast available now paperback and digital gabrielvega.com buy it now i released milk at the which i wrote and directed i actually wrote it over text with a friend who passed away yeah. um very tragically and very like it was very yeah still, i saw that at the end yeah that um and he was such a special person like the most talented sweetest warmest like like literally lit up a room just such an incredible artist in person so kind so encouraging and we were writing a feature together um and in the meantime over text we're like hey we should shoot something really short because mm. a feature is going to take us forever to produce mm. and then i was like oh what if we do like you know this little tragic love story and we're like, yeah, and we'll play the roles and we'll do this. He's like, perfect. And then I thought, okay, we'll shoot it at my dad's, my dad's condo. Mm. Um, just use the resources that we have. And then when I found out he passed away, you know, was grieving for a few months and going through old texts and then finding more messages on email mm. and then finding more messages on the Instagram inbox right. and just slowly unwrapping all these messages and replaying these messages and these these meetings that we had over coffee and just kind of replaying it all in my head trying to mm. understand that he was no longer with us on earth and then um i messaged bobby who is the male actor in it and co-producer and i said oh man i was supposed to make like we were gonna make this short together i you know like, this makes me so sad. And he was like, why don't you just write the short and we'll just shoot it. He's like, go write it. So then I was like, yeah, I should write it. So I went and wrote it. Mm. And then we shot within maybe a month. We used resources we had, like used my dad's condo because it has a really nice view. And I did not have a view like that at my place. <laughs> <laughs> or would want anyone to see my bedroom. Um, no, so we, we just kind of like did it within our means. I didn't apply for any grants. I didn't want to sit around and wait, just paid for it, you know, shot it, had a lot of favors from people that worked on it, um, just coming out and, and lending their, their talents. And that was amazing and shot it as an actor at co-op. Right. Um, and then, and got it out there. So it's, you know, it's just kind of a story about some people might be like, Oh, I don't really get it or understand like some of the reviews, someone reviewed it, I think from England. And he was like, it's like good, but not amazing. Like, I don't understand why it's such a, you know, like it's kind of mundane. It's kind of this, like it's not bad, but it's not like, you know, and the acting's good enough and this and that is good enough. And this is good enough, but it's, you know, like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm not trying to change the world. I'm just trying to show a situation between two people that have a complex relationship, you know, she can't 
have a baby. And that's something that I've seen people close to me going through. And I know how gut wrenching that is for a couple. And um, they're kind of in this mundane everyday routine where they're not appreciating one another because they don't, you know, we don't understand the fragility of life until we're faced with a tragic situation. And I think a lot of us just go through life in overdrive in a busy city, just trying to get, you know, get to work and stressing over work and this and that and arguing over these little things, but you don't really know how much time you have with somebody. Yeah. And that's not a reflection of my relationship with a friend. We had, you know, we weren't a couple and we weren't arguing. Um, That's not why I dedicated it to him, but I ended up dedicating it to him because he was the one who encouraged me. And he said, Hey, you can direct. And he was direct. He was producing all these little short films, really great short films um, with blink twice films, his, um, his tribe of friends and filmmakers. And they were making these, I think one minute films. And that's why they called them blink twice films, I believe. Uh, really great quality projects, amazing people, very creative. And um, he even said to me, hey, you could direct one of those. And I thought, I, I can't direct. I'm a writer. I'm an actor. But directing is so scary. And he was like, no, you can totally direct, Trish, and you will. And he was such a cheerleader. So I really, when he passed away, I was like, I am making this project. And I'm making the short. And I'm going to prove that I don't have to be afraid of directing, that I can take the plunge and direct um, and not put those limits on myself and say, I'm just a writer. I'm an actor. I'm not a director because, you know, it was just something that scared me that I secretly wanted to do for a long time. So I feel like he encouraged me in a way from the other side to do it. So that's why milk means so much to me. And then it was, um, picked up by parallel universe pictures owned by Heidi Chan and Rebecca Heron. And Rebecca is also my, my partner at 180 sisterhood and um, now it's on amazon prime us uk and on vimeo so it's been such a great journey and it has a really beautiful song in it um and was edited and composed by daryl bennett a very talented guy so yeah i feel like that was very long-winded and i'm definitely Mm. one of those people who's like you know after your it's hard to put out projects and then see them. I feel the need to be like, because of a bad review or not a bad review, but a mediocre review. I'm like, I need to explain to everybody where I was coming from. Speaking of that, I just want to say to uh, the guy from England, first of all, you're wrong. (laughs) It's very, very effective. And I love the film. Um, And, uh, I think it was beautifully shot. I like how your your things are shot, and uh, you know it's uh, it was very the writing was great, uh, the acting was great, and uh, I will say fuck you to the guy from England, you know, Aww. for you. <laughs> yeah. So nice. It's it's hard not to listen to the to the outsiders and the things they say, and then you feel like you need to defend things or explain to people, especially with a short, because it's such a short snippet of a story. I actually sat down and wrote it out as a series, kind of the um, different episodes and where something like that could go. And I wanted to work backwards and have that be the final episode of season one. Um, But on to, I don't know, it's sitting somewhere on my computer. Who knows if I'll ever do anything with that. Sometimes you write things and you don't do anything Mm. with that. Yeah. But it's just fun to write and practice writing. Yeah. It's always, um, yeah, I have so many things in my computer that I haven't used. 
Oh, what you can do is send them to our podcast. Um, Drunk Read Throughs is where we read people's scripts for that reason. So writers who have scripts that are, you know, a short or a pilot or something that's just kind of sitting on your computer that you know you're not going to do anything with and it has no life to it. And it's just sitting there. <laughs> we will read it while drinking on our podcast. Oh, awesome. <laughs> I'll think about it. <laughs> um, 180sisterhood at gmail.com. Okay. We'd love to feature yours. And it can be any level. You know, Rebecca read one that she wrote 10 years ago. I read one I wrote a few years ago, and it was just the first crappy draft. Um, but it was about a pandemic. And um, so, yeah, we featured a couple of our own just to be like, hey. Yeah. This is safe space. We're also reading our own old things that aren't perfected, that are maybe the first right. draft. Um, and now send us your stuff and we want to celebrate yours. So we've actually, we've gotten to read, we finished season one and or we're just finishing it up and we've gotten to read a lot of really, really great scripts and they're sent in from all over the world. So it's, it's been a really great joy celebrating those scripts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll think then about it. Yeah. We would love to read yours or anyone listening. If you have scripts, be the email address real quick 180sisterhood at gmail.com perfect like okay. 180 yeah. sisterhood great um so before we go to our game and end this plug uh pink is in and what it's about and where can people check it out and how did you enjoy the process of making that Pink is in. I'm an actor on that I play top dog in the prison her name's Nikki um, but everyone in the prison knows her as top dog. So she uses intimidation, confidence, and bratty, bratty tactics to get her way within the prison because it's either, you know, it's a dog eat dog world. It's either be the tough girl or get picked on. So, <laughs> so that's where she's coming from. And it's a lot of fun. There are a lot of antics in the show. It's a hilarious comedy. Um, written by Kim Lombard and created by Lisa Crawford and produced by Carolyn, um, Kim and Lisa. And there's some other producer. Uh, anyways, it's just a great team. And um, yeah, I can, I can give more info on it if, or you could just go to the Pink is in Instagram and get to know all the creators and the cast. And uh, it's a lot of fun. It's coming to Bell 5 on Monday, and there's a big season ahead or another season ahead and more seasons ahead after that. Um, but we'll let you know if there's anywhere else to watch it after it comes out on Bell 5. There might be other options as after well. After January 11th. Perfect. Yes, after January 11th. Perfect. Um, so... You you do like I I mentioned that you're very busy and you're very you're on a lot of projects so uh, doing a lot of projects does that give you anxiety and how do you deal with that? Oh, um, definitely. I feel like I definitely <laughs> get anxiety about being busy. Um, so you have to write to do lists and take it one day at a time. Yeah. Sleep helps too. Yeah, sleep helps. <laughs> have a routine and some sort of normalcy outside of this business if you can. Yeah. Have a life outside of it. Yeah, it's kind of hard right now though. So what do yeah. you say to people that are at home and 
just start creative and just anxious? I would say start doing, start looking at other means of expressing yourself creatively um, because, you know, it's great to, um, great to, you know, that's, I did a paint night last night. I think it's yeah. really great to, I'm not a painter, but just <laughs> find ways to keep creative because if you're, I think if you're the creative type, speaking from my perspective, which I think you can, you're probably, if you're a creative type are the same way that yeah. it doesn't necessarily have to be one type of creativity that, um, fulfills that. If you're a writer, maybe starting a podcast will give you that same sort of sense of mm. creativity and accomplishment and connecting with others or doing some yeah. painting, buy a journal and start journaling or write some poems. And who cares if you're, you've never been a, a poet, just start writing poems. And I think that you will feel fulfilled in some way, even though it's so tough and we're not out doing what we would normally be doing, find ways to still stay creative at home, right. get outside for a walk if you can, get some fresh air, um, and take your vitamins, drink your water, eat your fruits and vegetables, eat healthy. Um, you know, it's so easy to go down that path of, I remember in March, buying a box of wine and being like, okay, if we're on lockdown, I'm just gonna drink yeah. wine. And that's so easy, yeah. Make you feel good. You need a balance. And, you know, even if you are, if you're going to have the wine, just mm. try to try to do everything in moderation. Try to have some balance. Some days it's going to be hard and you're not going to want to move your body. Get up and move, get up and dance. Just try to consume art and create art in any way you can. And hopefully that gives you some sense of you know, accomplishment in that creative way, because I know that we crave that. And this is our life. We need to be creative or we feel like we're shriveling up and becoming right. a raisin. So, yeah. 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 That's a, uh, that's a good answer. Thank you for yeah. that. Uh, I, that's, uh, I, I was thinking I was, cause you mentioned, oh, create a, a podcast. That's exactly why I created this podcast because I wanted first to, to talk to other creative people and to see it helps to, to talk to people that are, are like you and are going through the same things. And it really helps. And it, it keeps you like, especially right now, it keeps you socializing and keeps you, you know, and yeah, it's, uh, so yeah, that's really, uh, a fun way yeah. to deal with it. I said, there's a sense of connecting after doing a zoom call. It's amazing that yeah. I know sometimes people are, you know, getting sick of all the calls and video meetings and this and that, but to connect with someone after this, I feel like I've just socialized because I have mm. so it's yeah. a new socializing. And exactly. I think anytime I've done some sort of podcast or connecting with someone else on a, on a zoom call, just for fun to socialize. I met some friends over Zoom the other night that I used to go out and drink with. So it was fun to just see them over Zoom. And even though it's not the same, it still gives you that sense of, okay, I connected with other people. I don't feel so sad. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I. It leads me to this game that I always do at me, the end of my podcast. I watch feel good stuff also to feel good when I have creative uh, blocks and anxiety and you know. So uh, I'm always looking for suggestions. So what's 
uh, a feel good movie that you, you have, what's your feel good movie? Elf at Christmas time and home alone at <sighs> or any time for home alone. I feel like yeah. that can be watched anytime. And it's another feel good one. I feel like any comedies just always put me in a good mood and make me right. laugh. What other ones? Oh, or classic nostalgic things you watched as a kid, like E.T. Mm. So something you liked as a kid, pull that out and give it a watch. Yeah, nostalgia. Then does a, a real good thing for you. I, I feel yeah. that way. Yeah. Uh, TV show. What's your feel good TV show? Feel good TV show. Ooh. I really enjoy this is a new show i love drew barrymore's energy she has a show so i've tuned yeah. into talk show online i also love humor and i love quick things that you can watch just in spurts here and there so i love the baroness von sketch show because you can even tune in on facebook and or instagram and just watch funny quick clips of their show mm -hmm. and it's so relatable as a as a you know, woman in this world, I find that show very relatable. So that's Baroness Von Sketch. Yeah. yeah. And uh, what else? Oh, there's this. Oh, there's so many funny people on TikTok, too, that I just tune into. Like yesterday, um, there's this girl, Linda Dong, and she has this like fuck bitch family, it's called. It's like P H U C B I C H, fuck bitch family. Okay. Um, <laughs> And she just like, she'll duet other people's TikToks and do commentary on it. And it's yeah. so funny. She didn't post for a day. And I was like, where's my friend, Linda? Like, where is she? I need her comedy today. So sometimes just finding your favorite person on Instagram or TikTok and tuning into their comedy is good too. Yeah. What about uh, music? Uh, what's your feel good song? Feel good songs. I have a playlist that has a bunch of songs from you know, from growing up. So there's a few Britney Spears songs or Spice Girl songs. Um, a lot of country music is on it. Yeah. Justin Bieber. Let's talk about Justin Bieber. He suddenly became this, well, probably not suddenly, but I'm sure it took some work. <laughs> <laughs> He's become such a great person and his music is amazing. I love Justin Bieber. I yeah. am now a believer. <laughs> yeah, did you see the song with Sean Mendes? I love it. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. He's, he's really put out some good stuff lately. Yeah. Any Anyone is one of his songs, Lonely. Um, and the one with Sean Mendes. And Monster, yeah. Yeah, those are really yeah. good. Yeah. Holy is also very good. So, yeah, Justin yeah. Bieber moment is putting me in a good mood i never thought that would be something you never I thought <laughs> yeah a lot of people say that right now <laughs> uh so uh plug your the pink is in again and then we'll end this uh so people can watch it on january 11th right and that's it yes tv so if you have bell 5 tv you can watch pink is in on january 11th i play top dog in the series and it's a female comedy series uh, female prisons comedy series, female Perfect. prison comedy series. And it's created by a team of awesome, really cool creators. 
and so much fun. So I hope you'll tune in and keep following on social media because there will be updates if there are other networks or um, ways to watch it yeah. in the near future. There Great. will be updates coming likely. I'm sure the update will be coming soon on, on their social media. So follow at Pink is in. I will be tuning in. Uh, well, thank Great. you so thank you so much for coming on my podcast. I really, really appreciate it. I was looking forward to talk to you because you, what you do is impressive, and I I always respect people that create their own work and uh, uh, like just hustle, and that's great. You know. Well, likewise, and I'm really glad we got to connect, and now we're friends. So keep in touch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, Trish Renoni, thank you so much for coming on the Very Creative Podcast. And uh, we'll talk to you me. soon. Okay, talk to you soon. And thanks to everyone for listening. You've been listening to the Very Creative Podcast with Gabriel Vega. To find out more, go to gabrielvega.com slash podcast or find us on social media at the Very Creative Podcast. You can also watch the podcast on YouTube. Just search for the Very Creative Podcast and subscribe.